0: Crockett, we need
1: to make millions of dollars. Dude, I mean, I know, but, like, every podcast today is telling me, like, I need to be a hustler, I need to go out, I need to found something, I need to, like, just hustle every day to make a million dollars. Like, dude, that's too much work.
0: No, 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 you got it all wrong. Three words. Entrepreneurship through acquisition. What? Let's get uninvested.
1: Pause here today we talked to lucas phillips all about his journey as a student founder raising millions of dollars for his coffee startup but we actually found the second part of the conversation to be particularly interesting specifically his views on being a repeat founder versus an original founder and what that looks like from a leadership journey perspective so we'll post the original conversation a little bit later but for now please enjoy the second half
0: yeah one thing i find really interesting <clears throat> is that you didn't go and start another startup you went ahead and bought like a 100 year old business. We read in your newsletter that you said you want to find a business that's generating two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in discretionary earnings that you could grow yourself and build a differentiated brand. I feel like that's a very abnormal path to take, especially after you know you're already a founder. You could just become a repeat founder.
2: Correct. I could have maybe become a repeat founder, right? And I and I looked at all of these different. I I felt like I had three options if I wanted to continue to be an entrepreneur, right? One option is to start a business from scratch and grow it like with like bootstrap it, right? So don't bring in any outside capital. That takes a really long time to generate like enough income for a lifestyle, one. And two, it it generally means that most bootstrap businesses I've found, the person who starts it generally needs to be like skilled. So either they are a the developer and they can build like a an MVP SaaS product and and just start from there, or they're like a landscaper or HVAC like um, engineer of some sort, and they can like go out on all their own service calls. And once they have enough, they can hire somebody else, right? So I was none of those things. And, and I didn't really want to go to trade school and like do that. Uh, the other route I had was, was, you know, start something and grow up with equity financing. And I didn't like, I was just talking about how I didn't like those dynamics. Like I didn't like having a lot of shareholders and having to go sell them on a vision that, uh, that like was so lofty, right? Like that, that had such a low likelihood of success. And I knew that based on just like what, how like venture, venture does as a asset class, right? Um, there's so few successes and and I didn't really want to get into another business where there was such a low likelihood of success. Okay. And then the third option was buy an existing business, like with debt and And as I looked more into that, I just keep being fascinated by it because there's a much lower, like a a very high likelihood of success relative to starting a business bootstrap. That's the lowest likelihood of success. Starting a business with venture financing, that's second highest. And then there's like a huge jump in likelihood of success to buying an existing small business. So that was one that I thought was cool. Two... um, Buying an existing business, there's there's like so much of the wealth in this country is tied up in small businesses that are owned by baby boomers and they're all retiring right now. In like this entrepreneurship through acquisition world that I'm in, they call it the silver tsunami. It's like all of the wealth from those with silver hair is coming down to 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 younger generations. And like, do you guys want to work at your dad's, you know, janitorial company? No. But does your dad's janitorial company generate like $800,000 a year in discretionary earnings? Like probably I'm not, you know, this is an example. And so like, there's all these, you know, kids who are, who could do this, but aren't. And so that these, these boomers need to sell their businesses. And, and I was like really interested in that. And, and there's a loan program through the SBA that, Makes it such that I could finance ninety percent of the acquisition price, and multiples on these deals are are really low. And and so I could I could buy a business with a certain with you know a quarter of a million or half a million dollars of discretionary earnings, which is pretty much EBITDA, and that business would be valued at like two to three times EBITDA. And so let's say the business is generating, you know, quarter million a year in in EBITDA and you multiply that by three, right? So it's 750,000. You can buy that business and buy that quarter million a year uh, in, in, um, in earnings for $75,000 down and finance the rest, and pay that back over 10 years, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you're putting down 75000 call it $100,000 with closing costs and stuff, right? and the business is generating a quarter million a year in EBITDA, you have a 100% ROI in year one. And that's even after the debt service, because the 250000 will pay for the debt service. So it's like it's, it's, I mean, it's similar to real estate economics and investing where you know you buy an asset and that asset generates income and that income pays for the debt and hopefully cash flows a bit on top of that. But, and so I was always really interested in real estate investing for that reason. But what I've liked about this instead is one, like I get to take this experience I have as an entrepreneur and apply it in an active way instead of real estate investing where it's more of a passive investment most of the time right one two in a real estate you can there, there's really only one way to increase your cash flow which is raising rents or like lowering operating costs but there's very few operating costs and but in in a business it's infinite you can raise you can raise your revenue and your earnings, an infinite amount. And, and, and the, the skills and expertise needed to do that were the exact things that I enjoyed doing most in my career. So I was like, you know, now when I explain this to you, you're probably like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. And it took a lot of soul searching and thinking about it in order to get to this. But then, you know, you get to this thing, I want to buy a business and it's like, what business do you want to buy? And that was a whole nother process.
1: Hmm.
0: Wait, so in essence, you basically became a one-man P.E. shop. You got debt. You're paying it off with the cash flow of a business and upgrading that cash flow, essentially. So it seems like me and Kraken need to quit our jobs, start a little P.E. shop, and just buy every brick and mortar in Evanston.
2: The thing about it is P- private equity, they buy businesses that are large and established with management teams that can operate them themselves. And the private equity shop has a few goals that they come in and say to the management team, this is what we want to do. And they work together and they get it done. And the private equity firm can then, once they have that meeting, they go look at the next deal or they go raise money. Like I'm in my manufacturing plant every day managing like the floor. When I bought the business, I was actually a part of production for a while until I had turned over my team and hired reliable people and hired a supervisor and trained that supervisor. And then I was able to come into my office and start working on sales. But I mean, i it's a small business is a very different thing than a lower middle market kind of business that a, a small cap private equity shop would look at. So, so, but in terms of the return profile, it's, it's, it's a smaller sum of money that's infested, but as a like, but the ROI can be even greater as a percent because like there's more upside because you buy the business for a lower multiple because it's so small and there's more risk. So the, and then as I grow it, if one day I could sell it to a little private equity business, then there will be multiple expansion along the way too. And it's just, you see, so it's it's interesting, but it it's it's also been like brutal, like it's very difficult.
1: Well, I mean, what's interesting about like this part of your path to me, Lucas, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts is like you're a serial entrepreneur, right? Like from high school to Brew Bike, and now you have started this journey where you're like almost a, a serial. Well, I guess this, this is this where I'm curious, like. What does the horizon look like for you? Obviously, you know New York Auto is your baby now. This business that you've acquired and that you are now running. Like, is your goal like to be a serial small business acquire and owner? Like, is is the next? Yeah. Step, are you gonna like, expand?
0: Are you gonna expand your portfolio? Do you plan to sell this in a few years? Grow it or keep this in your portfolio? Add another business once this is established. You run on your own team members, and you could just keep
2: going business to business.
1: Like your your target before was to find a business. Like, oh sorry, go
2: ahead. I mean. First of all, Newark Auto, I found I wanted to buy a old school manufacturing business. I wanted to buy an old school consumer products business. Okay. So something with a physical product that was really stuck in the old economy. And so maybe they distributed to retailers, but they didn't sell direct to consumer at all. And they were just, there was a lot of efficiency that could be gained by implementing new technology. Right. So- what I found is a 115-year-old manufacturing business in New Jersey, and we make replacement carpeting for classic cars. So not floor mats, like actual full carpeting kits in the car. And we'll make the kit in a number of different materials and colors and pack it up and then ship it out all over the world to people who are who are restoring their vintage cars. And... I have a team of sewing machine operators. And uh, I, when I bought the business, we were cutting everything with hand scissors and chalk and paper patterns. And Now we have everything, all of our cutting going on on a CNC machine with one cutter. It's all automated. Uh, that's been a big transition. That's sort of efficiency that I wanted to bring to a business. And I mean, our, our back office, like we were using a fax machine. We were using a dot matrix printer. We, there was a typewriter in the office when I bought the business. So like all of that is, is, is modernized too. And, and my goals with the business are to, uh, grow it through a number of different sales channels. Um, I want to grow the team. I want to kind of stabilize the business because the last year and a half has been a lot of spending on like automation equipment, software, people, turnover, but we're kind of coming out of that J curve right now. And it's interesting, like with Brewbike, I if you would ask me what I, the same question when I was a junior, I would say, I don't really know what I want to do, but I do know that the better I do, as in the more I'm able to grow the company and increase kind of enterprise value and, and the stability of the business, like the more optionality I'll have when I actually want to figure that out. And, and that's kind of where I am now. Like I'm, I'm trying to stabilize the business. I'm trying to get back to a place where we're generating cash because I, I haven't been for a little while because I've just needed to give the business some TLC, which I hadn't received in a while prior to me buying it. And so, so start generating cash again, start growing revenues, and start expanding our product line. Um, And once I can get all of that going, I will have more income. I can relax a little bit more about finances personally, in addition to the business. And I'm not in a rut to do any of this stuff. Like I'm, I'm 25. I have this small business that I bought and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And, and I, 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 I would love to expand it by buying another business that maybe has different patterns than what we have for different makes and models or, or maybe I'll sell it one day. Or I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but that's okay because I'm, I'm doing the things that will give me more options for when I do know or when I want to figure that out.
1: That's, first of all, super comforting to know as, as college seniors that I, I feel like we're figuring out our lives every single yeah, day. Yeah, we still got a lot of time. And it sounds like you're still figuring it out too, which is, uh, which is a good thing. And it's...
0: Yeah. It's a super interesting, this idea of buying these businesses. I was actually just talking to Crockett about this startup. I guess it's a business now. It's called Acquire.com, where it's a marketplace for people to go ahead and buy business, small businesses, startups, which is very, exactly what you did. So I wonder if this will become the new form of entrepreneurship.
2: It's funny because it's become a really... Like it's it's there are whole segments of Twitter and podcasts and books devoted to this, which is called entrepreneurship through acquisition. I mean, there's MBA classes. Kellogg has a big uh, ETA conference every year, but it's like segmented and it doesn't have that much overlap with the startup scene. But there's a lot of people who, when they who in my in this world that I'm in now, who get. To the same place that I did with the startup scene, and they're like, "What? You can do that?" And then they come over and they do it, and they like love it. So, yeah, it's it's worth exploring. I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. Um, Lucas, your your journey is incredible. We are uh, we're coming up on time, but uh, there's one question that we like to ask all of our guests that come on the Uninvested podcast. Um, You've done a variety of things throughout your life, like just even your high school experiences alone are ridiculous. But has there been one staple or routine in your life you followed that you think contributes to who is Lucas Phillips, who, you know, what makes his success? What's one staple or routine that you followed?
2: Well, when I think about one that, like from high school all the way through now, it would be sleep. Just getting really quality sleep every night, and and understanding that if I'm not going to get quality sleep that, that night, I'm not going to get quality work done for a day or two. So only really trading off the quality sleep when I'm willing to trade off the quality work. And that's, I mean, there's that's that's one of them. And I I'm such a big sleep guy. Uh, the I mean the other one would be. Uh, some form of like meditation that I've done. So in in college, I did just like, I used like the Calm app or Headspace starting when I was a freshman. And then when I graduated, I did a training on transcendental meditation because I was just wanting to like take it a step farther. I had been really uh, devoted to like doing Headspace or Calm every day and I wanted to learn more. So I did uh, a training and it was great. And I I still practice TM every day now it's twice a day 20 minutes it's mantra based um it's great it's like kind of like grounds me in the morning and then in the afternoon i'll do it again and it'll ground me for the rest of my day so uh those are the two things that i those are the those are the two things that i can say i've done as routines since for the last like eight to ten years
0: thank you so much for coming on lucas sadly we can't talk to you all day i could talk about this entrepreneurship through acquisition. You know, for hours on end, but sadly the world keeps turning. I'm Sahil Seth. I'm Crockett Calloway. I'm Lucas Phillips. And this is Uninvested. Thank Thank you. you. Crockett, take it away. Subscribe to our YouTube right now. Hit that follow button. Follow us on IG. Make sure to check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Peace. This is a personal video. Any views or opinions represented in this video are personal and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations we may or may not be associated
1: with in a professional or personal capacity. The views expressed are for entertainment purposes only and not to be misinterpreted as actionable investment advice.